Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Outlaws, it's Tuesday. I feel less grim. I want to start with a quote from Margaret Atwood. I found a wonderful copy of her Negotiating with the Dead, a writer on writing in my local used bookstore, Paper Birch. And yeah, I read it years and years ago, but I'm revisiting it. And thinking about what I was saying yesterday, this just popped right out at me. She's talking about Yeats. And she says, the sacred space of art was conceived of as either purer or more monstrous than the norm, but certainly distinct from the vulgar, money-grabbing, banal, and profane life of society at large. The artist was to be its priest, bringing real presence into being as the Roman Catholic priest was thought to bring the real presence of God into present time and place in the celebration of the Mass. Heady stuff. There was a corollary... One mark of a true priest is his lack of interest in money. So goes the tradition, or rather the traditions for many cultures share this view. But in a society that increasingly has come to value little else, where does that leave the artist and his sacred work, not to mention his or her or their heating bill? And, uh, of course, this is true. And uh, But at the same time, it's not an interesting preoccupation for me. And I I think hugely because I was raised in a religious household, a Catholic household with a mother who dedicated a dozen years of her life to being a nun, that that definitely had a massive impact on how I view and was taught to view art. We were also a very uh, artistic family and extremely exposed to people making art from early on and especially music plus also surrounded by books so there was very much the sense of this art creation and this art absorption as distinct from my father getting in his truck and going to work every day and somehow magically paying the bills so for better for worse there was a disconnect between making a living and making a life. And yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, have poetry masses in a sense, and we would go in and we would recite and talk about the art and connect it to other arts. And and then at some point there would be a, a collection and we would be able to live on doing what we were born to do. Ah, yes, the dream. So today we have an elaborations with a high school teacher. Her name is Miriam. And she teaches grade 8 and 9 LA and computer arts. She talks a little bit about her early experiences with rhymes and songs in German before she moved here around grade 1. She vaguely remembers reciting The Highwaymen, but mostly about writing poems and forms and high school being more line-by-line analysis. I, I think it's interesting how many talk about how they write uh, poetry, but they don't talk about how they read it or they, they get their students to write, but they don't necessarily get their students to read a wide range of poetry. And 
I think that's a real issue. You should be writing first. No, you should be reading first. You should not be writing first because where are you writing from? You're writing from a void. You're not writing from a tradition. You're not writing from a complexity of interweavings of, you know, multiple voices and forms and songs. You're writing from just yourself, your little old self. And no matter how old you get, that's not enough. Because poetry, as I will always say, and everybody else (laughs) should say too, is a craft, is an art. It's not just a way of saying what you think and feel without thinking about line breaks and the sounds of language and diction and everything that goes to creating this art. So Miriam says she likes sonnets because she enjoys order and she aims to work poetry into things thematically, especially in April, get the students to learn terminology and comprehension for final exams. Of course, as a poet, you know, I want students to experience poetry as something magical, as an energy force, as something they can draw on for the rest of their lives and not just as a unit, as a series of uh, terminologies that they can then spew out and get a grade for and forget about and pass on into other things. I know it's a tall order. Gosh, teachers have so much to do these days. I have no idea how they cope. So Miriam likes the fact you can squeeze poems in and you don't have much time. And how, I like what she says here about how it broadens perspectives and how in poetry, because it's more distilled than prose, you get more of this concentration of experience and and a narration, essentially, and more of an insight into being human. She herself is mostly a prose reader, but she ends her chat by reading Introduction to Poetry by Billy Collins, which is a much beloved piece amongst teachers. Billy Collins is a bit of a a bugaboo for many poets because he uh, he's so mm, uh, populist. That's the term. Yes, he's so populist. There's nothing wrong with being populist, but. Sometimes it just rides a little bit too close to the superficial, the tee-hee, the nudge-nudge, wink-wink, especially in his horrendous undressing of Emily Dickinson poem, but we won't go there. So, please enjoy Elaborations, where Miriam is interviewed by my co-host, Catherine Audio. Catherine Audio, and this is Elaborations for Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, and I have with me Miriam. Hi, Miriam. Hi. So what are you teaching this year, Miriam? Um, I teach grade 8 and 9 language arts, and then I teach visual communication for 7 and 8. Oh, cool. So it's like computer art and yeah, that kind of thing. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. All right, let's just dive right in. Describe your early experiences with poetry. My early experiences with poetry were mostly learning rhymes, songs, um, things like that. And your English second language, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah so I, those were mostly in German, and then I moved here and started grade one. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of, um, do you have any early experiences of, of English poetry? or? Um, well, I went to a Waldorf school, so there were, were a lot of verses and things that we recited on a regular basis. Like memorized? Yeah, yeah. memorized. Oh, yeah. cool. Interesting. Did you have a favorite poet as a, as a kid? As a child? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think okay. so. Well, moving on into school, uh, what are some of your earlier memories Memories in junior high or in high school about how poetry was taught to you? Um, I remember writing poetry. I don't actually really remember reading poetry, hmm. except for maybe The Highwayman. The Highwayman. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what you did with it? Um, no, no, I don't. Okay. No. Like, no. you don't know if you recited it? I remember reciting that one. Maybe as a class, yeah. but yeah, mostly I just remember writing poetry, making oh. little poetry anthologies and okay. illustrating them. Do you remember if you would learn like certain forms and then you'd write that form? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, that's kind of cute. So you don't remember how it was approached in high school? Oh, well, oh, in junior, that was, that was junior, junior high, high elementary, okay. and then in yeah. high school, um, yeah, it was more analysis right. of poetry. Like the uh, kind of line-by-line stuff? Line-by-line, yeah. Yeah. And also being introduced to different forms, other forms of poetry, and we'd have to write sonnets and um, and then Shakespeare. Did, did you feel uh, like positive or negative about having to write a sonnet? Um, I think I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. yeah. I, was, like I like, I like um, being told what to do and then doing it <laughs> yeah like yeah. I like having really clear parameters yeah and I mean sonnets assignments. really really structured right mm -hmm. all right well let's zip right to today then so now you're teaching English and so what do you do in terms of poetry um well uh, I try to work it in throughout the year just um thematically related poetry we're reading a short story might do a poem that's related to it in some way um and then in april because april is poetry month we spend more time intensively looking at poetry okay give me an example of how students would intensively look uh that. well again different forms reviewing uh terminology related specifically to poetry analysis mm -hmm. um because they do have to do reading comprehension based on poems. So mm -hmm. it's important that they understand the terms. Um, and then they do a little bit of writing. They did mostly, this year they did mostly collaborative writing. Um, like we did some class poems and displayed them on the wall. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, for our listeners, we have a final exam and on the final exam, students do have to demonstrate their understanding of poetry visual texts and nonfiction and fiction texts. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's built in that way. All right, so you, oh, I, the big question, the deep question is, what is poetry to you and why does it matter? Well, the thing I like about poetry is that it's, uh, you can kind of squeeze it in when you don't have a lot of time. <laughs> and, um, and it's just, a, it's nice to be able to see things uh, from somebody else's perspective. And I think that poetry does that more than prose writing because it's so distilled. And then you you see this image created by 
the author. That so, yeah. Do you read poetry on your own? Um, not not that much. I read mostly prose. Okay. And you, you've chosen a poem to read I for us. Yeah. And why did you choose that this poem? I don't know. I just I really just like really it, like and it. I I you know because I think a lot about why and how to teach poetry. Probably more so than I think about poetry in my personal life. And so um, I like this poem yeah. because it pretty much sums it up. It me. is a good one. Yeah. All right, yeah. go for it. Uh, it's called Introduction to Poetry by Billy Collins. I asked them to take a poem and hold it up to the light like a color slide or press an ear against its hive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out or walk inside the poem's room and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. <laughs> so good. All right, thanks very much, Mary. You're You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.